Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. There is a spiritual battle of cosmic proportions raging all around us. This great controversy between Christ and Satan, good and evil, is fought over each person's soul, and everyone must choose a side. Christians are called to stand bravely for Christ and His cause, in His strength and with His armor. Our Bible study today will reveal this. On our panel today, we have John Cosmi and Gail Fong. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word today. We ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Bible describes an ongoing conflict between Christ and Satan, this battle between good and evil, light and darkness. And uh, really, whether we like it or not, every single one of us is involved in this battle. Uh, and the battle's actually quite a lot closer to us than many of us realize, isn't it, Gail? It truly is, yes. Um, the battleground for this intense spiritual struggle, it's not over a piece of real estate somewhere. Um, it's actually the human heart. And both Jesus and Satan are interested in our hearts and minds. They're supremely interested in winning our hearts and minds in this uh, spiritual battle. And for this reason, as Christians, we're asked um, not to be peaceful bystanders or mediators, but we are to there to stand on the front line as um, committed frontline commandos. Yeah, well, it's um, it's certainly quite the call and the, the call to charge, right? The, the call to arms uh, in a spiritual sense. And uh, although we can't see into the spiritual realm, we don't see what's happening behind the spiritual realm very often. Uh, it's very much real. And God is very much fighting for us, isn't he, John? He certainly is. We have a story in Second Kings chapter 6 of where an army had surrounded the city and the prophet was there with his servant. And the servant was all worried. And uh, here in verse uh, 15 of Second Kings chapter 6, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and beheld the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so unknowing to us, we are surrounded by angels who are there to help. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a remarkable story, really. And uh, even when the servant had his eyes closed, God was still there fighting for him. Even when he didn't yes. realize it, God was right there with him. Uh, and I think that's you know, a really important thing to remember because all of the battles that we see in Scripture 
are there to teach us spiritual truths and, and have spiritual truths in them for us to grow. Um, from the battle of the Syrians we've just mentioned, from Gideon's conflict, from David and Goliath and many others. Um, and as we look at this, uh, it would make sense then that the the battles are of a spiritual nature, that there's spiritual forces behind them and that the weapons that we use in these battles would also be spiritual. Um, is, that, is, is that correct, Gail? Yes, um, that's so true. This is why Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6 and verse 12, just reading that verse, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So uh, this is a spiritual battle um, and Although our armor uh, and weapons are spiritual, um, this does not mean that they're unreal or ineffective. And also just turning to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, and reading these verses here, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. And um, so the weapon that we use is really, we're putting on the gospel armor and it's to present the gospel in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, because that's the only way to go forward mm. in the Christian life. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And uh, as we look at this, at, the, at the, this spiritual battle that we see in scripture, um, we, in light of this spiritual battle, Paul writes in the book of Ephesians about this armor that we're to put on. And we're going to actually study through and read through this together. Um, it, we're going to study Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20, which covers in detail this spiritual army um, and battle that we're all involved in. And I want to read here Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 to start our study off this, uh, today. It says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so uh, we see at the outset here, Paul writing in the book of Ephesians, and he encourages the believers. Uh, he gives them some keys to success in this spiritual battle. And he talks about being um, in the strength of the Lord, in the power of his might. And John, I want to ask you, uh, what does Paul mean here when he talks about being um, in the Lord and in the strength of his might? What, what is he trying to communicate to us here? In the book of Ephesians, the phrase in the Lord occurs more than 30 times. And so we go back and uh, when you look at other verses in the Bible, here we find that this is actually the secret of our strength. In our own strength, we, we're nothing, but with Christ we're everything. In fact, in, in John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, says Jesus, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And when you go back to the Old Testament and you go to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord 
to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so our strength comes from being in the Lord. I love that text, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Uh, and, and that's that call in Ephesians as well uh, that we see. Uh, Gail, why is God so concerned with us relying on his strength and not our own strength? Well, just as uh, John has said there, there's another verse in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 that Paul wrote. Said, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So this was Paul's own experience, but his experience of the Christian as well. And um, he embraced he embraced what Christ offered in his weakness. And so in our own strength, inevitably, um, we will fail. We, we cannot succeed or stand against the schemes of the devil because it's, it's a spiritual warfare. And so in our weakness, it gives God opportunity and God provides the um, grace and the strength that we need in our times of weakness and need. Yeah, and, and doesn't God shine through so brightly uh, even in our weaknesses, as that text shares. Um, so let's let's keep reading on in this passage. Uh, so we see this call to stand. We see this call to find our strength in the Lord. Uh, a reminder in verse 12 that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. Uh, and then in th- verse 13, we find a, a very clear charge here. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. John, what is the significance of putting on the whole armor of God as we see the call in this text? It's interesting how that Paul, who was surrounded by soldiers nearly all of his life, he took a soldier and then took the different parts of the armor that they wore and he put a spiritual application on them. And this is where if a soldier wasn't fully covered by armor, There was real weaknesses. Mm. And it's the same for the Christian. Let me just give you a little summary here because I've written them down. Under the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul goes on to attach a spiritual association with seven implements of earthly armour. First, there was the belt of truth, then the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of that the soldier had, that's faith. And then you have the helmet to cover the head of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And the seventh one was prayer. I think most soldiers pray, you know, when they're in battle. And it's a good idea for the Christians to do the same. Absolutely it is. And that's quite a comprehensive list of armour there, isn't it? Covering yeah. all aspects of the, of the body. Um, uh, let's consider now, we'll have a look and, at each of these articles one by one. So let's read verse 14 here as we go on in with our passage. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the first article there, as, as John, you, you shared with us, um, is this belt of truth. What's the significance of this belt of truth, Gail? 
That's interesting. In Bible times, the girdle about the waist, it held together the soldier's garments, which is very important, uh, which might otherwise hamper uh, his movement while marching or engaging in combat. So uh, it's a very important piece of, of clothing. So the spiritual significance is that God does not simply want us to point at the truth. He actually wants us to wear it and have it wrapped around us, so to speak. Um, not only does the belt hold everything together, but it also is a place and serves as a place where you could carry um, the sheath that holds the sword. And um, so that the sword of the spirit is ready for access. Now, some people have, have the sword of God's word, but they don't actually have this belt of truth. And so when you don't have the belt of truth and you're just sharing, well, you're going to come to grief. So um, we should never forget that the wearing of the belt of truth also means wearing Christ. And when we wear Christ, it's both in our intellectual and moral decisions. And so it does with who we are on the inside. Who am I really uplifting today? And um, because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And I want to represent him I don't want to be a Pharisee. Amen. And, mm -hmm. and this is actually a great point that you've raised around having all of the parts. This is another reminder of why it's so important to have the whole armor of God, because the belt, uh, the, the sword of the spirit without the belt of the truth, you can come unstuck. Right. Um, and, and we need all of those articles of the armor to to be sound and to be protected in this battle against God's enemy. Uh, but that other uh, article that was mentioned in that text there in verse 14. Uh, it says, gird your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. John, what exactly um, is the breastplate of righteousness? When Paul went back to the book of Job, which is probably the first book that was written, here in Job 29, and verse 14, it says, I put on righteousness and it clothes me. So even Job, the first writer in the Bible, he knew that it was righteousness that you put on. Now, the soldier, to put on a breastplate, he had to put on another coat first so that the metal, when he moved... It had to be in small pieces. And some of, the, some of them were made of 700 different pieces of metal. Wow. They're all joined together. Mm. And you imagine if you get your skin pinched in that. That wouldn't be fun. No. And while it's protection, it, unless you put it on right, um, it got hot and it had all these metal parts that moved and so on. And so righteousness became a, a very important part of the soldier to protect him. But it also is essential to the Christian so that his righteousness will not only be protecting, but it will also um, be effective in knowing what God would like done. Mm, and that really is the only way that we can have victory against the devil through resting on the righteousness of Jesus and wearing his robe 
uh, of righteousness uh, for ourselves. Let's keep reading on and read this next text as we look at some of these other articles of the armor. In verse 15, it says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, Quite an interesting uh, article of armor here. Everyone needs shoes when they go to battle, right? Uh, What's the significance of the shoes of the gospel of peace, Gail? Well, just turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah writes in chapter 52 and verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I love that verse. Great text. (laughs) In the Bible. So the foot is a symbol of the direction of the walk of a person's life. And having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace gives us a good footing and prevents us from backsliding. We're going to be going the right direction. Um, As we become involved in spreading the good news, that's going to actually help my footing as well. Um, And it's going to strengthen us and uh, and others against uh, the enemy's attack. Now, in Ephesians, the idea of the gospel bringing steadfastness in the Christian warfare is uh, drawn out because they're standing. They're not sitting down or lying. They're actually standing. So they're ready for combat and they're going in that direction. Uh, Spiritual warfare, that is, of course. Hence, the shoes of the gospel um, of peace in this instance is not only the gospel to be proclaimed, but the gospel has found lodgment in the heart of the Christian as well. So it has to do with the inner person who I am on the inside. And it's a beautiful, encouraging thought that the warrior in the midst of spiritual conflict is actually standing there in peace. And that's what we experience as Christians. I I, I know I have experienced that. can be trouble around, but there's peace in my heart. Wow. The, 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 The beautiful peace of the gospel that can be shared even in the midst of whatever is happening around. Wow, what a beautiful promise. Uh, let's keep reading on and we'll read, look at some of these other articles of armor. Verse 16, we read, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which with, which with you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, so we, we see here the shield of faith. John, what does the shield of faith represent? A shield was the soldier's first line of protection. And here they would shoot arrows down upon the soldiers and they would get their shield, put it above themselves and they would kneel down and and that would uh, deflect and prevent the arrows from coming through. And this is where volley after volley would be, be fired, but the soldier would be safe. And this is where the Bible calls the shield of faith. The faith that God gives to us is what is our protection. And uh, what, what a blessing that is. Absolutely. Knowing that you can have faith in God. Absolutely. And yeah. that it will protect you as a, as a Christian. Absolutely. It makes me think of that text in 2 Corinthians where it says, um, God will never put us in a situation where beyond what we're able to stand, right? With, he, he won't put us where we, we are tempted beyond what we can bear. Let me, read it to, let me read it to you. No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Wow. And this is where our faith in God 
that shield of faith. The shield of faith. Wow. Yes. Amen. Let's keep reading on. Verse 17, it says, taking on that shield of faith, we read the next text is, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, this is this is getting quite interesting now. Um, we've got the helmet of salvation. Gail, what's the purpose of the helmet of salvation? Helmets are very important to protect their head. And um, we have a story in the Bible of Abimelech that he was um, a millstone was cast down upon his head. And of course, it crushed his head and he died. And we've got Goliath that was slain by a tiny little stone because there was a little area in his armor uh, which knocked out the giant. So the head needs special protection. Even today, motorcyclists and bike riders, etc., because it's the most vital part because it is our head that um, it's the seat of the will and the intelligence. Um, So Christians, we must guard our minds. And because um, Paul says, gird up the loins of your mind. So the mind is is very valuable and not to um, be open to anything and everything that may jeopardize Mm -hmm. our salvation. Will this please God? Um, As we study and come to understand God's word, there should be a settling into truth because we're just falling more and more in love with Jesus. And I'd just like to read Ephesians chapter four, verse four. It says, and Paul wrote this book as well here. He said, um, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling that brings that unity to us in Christ. Yeah, and that's so important to to settle into that truth and to not be tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine, um, but to be settled in that that truth that and, and take that helmet of salvation to guard our minds. And uh, yeah, what a what an important article. Um, but of course, in that same text, it says we've got the helmet of salvation, but it says also we've got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the sword of the spirit is identified as the word of God. John, what's unique about this particular article of the armor? Well, it's it's the weapon, not of defense, but of action. And this is where a sword and the Bible talks about where Jesus, when he was tempted in Matthew chapter four, it says how that the first thing he said to Satan was, it is written. And then when you come to Revelation 13 and uh, I'll read here the verse where it talks about the sword as having given the beast a mortal wound. Mm. And that was done by a sword. No, no other part of the armor did, uh, did just that. And here in verse 14, he that deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who on the earth make an image of the beast, he was wounded by the sword. And so this is where we need the sword to fight as believers for, of Christ. Absolutely. It's, it's that, that weapon that we can use to def- attack against the devil, right? To defend against those temptations, just like Jesus did. Um, and of course, Jesus practiced that in his ministry. Uh, and I want to read you a text here in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34. And it says, do not think, this is Jesus speaking, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
Jesus used the sword, right? Um, And it goes on and it talks about how when Jesus used the sword, that it would have the result of turning a man against his father, a daughter against the mother, um, and and that division, even within a household, could occur. Mm. Now, this is pretty somber stuff. um, But what we see here is that Jesus was committed to using the sword of the word, even though he knew that it would result in division in some cases. What's the lesson for us in Jesus' example here, Gail? Well, if Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he remained committed to sharing the truths of God's word, even though it may have a dividing effect, a divisive effect, um, we should equally be as uncompromising in our commitment to share the truth but to always share it in love because Jesus had tears in his eyes and he never, he never spoke a harsh word uh, intentionally. Mm. We must love the world enough to tell the truth even when it hurts and remain committed to following the truth uh, of God's word no matter if it may separate us. That's an e- sometimes an easy thing to say, but quite hard to live out in our lives, isn't it? We need God's Absolutely. grace and wisdom uh, as we navigate the many challenges that we face. Uh, but John, it's not just the sword's not just to be used against enemies. It's also to be used against ourselves. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. Because here in Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. That's getting close, isn't it? Mm. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that applies to me and to you. Absolutely. And to the listeners, just as it does to those who are, inverted commas, our enemies, because it's the sword that can convict them and make us realize that we need God. Mm. We need God. Wow. Well, let's read on to the look at this last little section here. Uh, and we're going to read verses 17 and 18. Uh, sorry, 18 through to 20. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, um, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Well, we see here the last article of the armor is, and it's really an attitude, is prayer. And uh, what an important element of God's armor it is. Um, Why is prayer such an essential element of this armor, Gail? Well, any general knows that victory almost always depends on which army has the element of surprise. Um, And in this story of Gideon, as you mentioned earlier, the soldiers were chosen based upon their watchfulness and they caught the enemy sleeping and therefore they won through surprise and God was on their side. God was with them. But even the best armor is almost useless if the soldiers are found sleeping, if Mm -hmm. they're not standing and awake. So 
there in Ephesians 6.18, we are commanded to be watchful mm. to this end and with all perseverance, don't give up. Don't give up because the battle gets intense. Um, as Christians, we must watch and pray that we enter not into temptation and uh, we must face the battlefield with an attitude of constant prayer, but united also, not just me praying, but we're all praying together. Well, that's a good place to leave our study today, being watchful on God and his word. As soldiers in the Lord's army, we are each called to stand boldly for Christ and his cause. Though the battle rages hot at times, we can rest in the assurance that no weapon formed against us shall prevail and that in Christ we will have the victory. We're glad that you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you'd like to watch this program again or any past programs, go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. We're glad that you joined us today. Please join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.